Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We are so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. I, I want to talk to you this weekend about something that uh, I just feel like it's sitting on a tee. And I didn't feel comfortable with anybody else preaching this weekend because I felt like the Lord gave me the burden for this. And so... I want to talk to you about a message that I've entitled, We Must. We Must. And we're going to talk about open doors, opposition, and opportunities of a lifetime. And so let's jump into the first point. We stand before an opened door. Not an open door, an opened door. Colossians chapter 4 verse 3 says, Continue earnestly in prayer. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us. That God would open to us a door for the word. To speak the mystery of Christ. For which I am also in chains. Open doors that God puts his hand on and opens are a really big deal. And to try and give you some perspective. I was 18 years old when I felt the Lord tell me that one day a door would open for me to return here and to plant a church. And it took 16 years for that door to open. Almost, I was 18 when he told me that. It took 16 years, almost as long as I'd been alive before he told me. I had to wait. There were days where I, I would beg God to open the door, and the door didn't open. And, and then when Pastor Robert took me to lunch 10 years after I came on staff at Gateway and said, it's time to get you ready to go, it seems like you're so close to the door opening, but then three more years needed to go by. And then the door opened. And one of the reasons I think uh, God allows us to move forward before opening the door is he wants us to understand how important it is once the door opens. And... I'm not talking about, so that you know, the open door I'm referring to is not another campus, all right? Uh, campuses don't bring people to Jesus. They just make room for people to come to Jesus, okay? Uh, the open door is not a second place to worship. It's so much bigger than that. Uh, since I was 18, I've been begging God to open this door and... I believe it has opened, and I think it's easy to celebrate uh, open doors, uh, especially if you've gone a while with them being closed, uh, but I think it's important to remember open doors involve stewardship, and uh, I, I do want to say next weekend, for those of you who live close to Tempe, I know that we announced it last weekend. Uh, that this campus is in Tempe, right in the edge of Chandler um, and Tempe, just off of the 101 south of 60. For those of you who live down that way or feel called to be a part of this, next weekend after every service, we're going to have a little interest meeting just to uh, begin the conversation with those of you uh, who feel called to be a part of this. And, and let me say this about open doors. Uh, open doors always involve sacrifices really big sacrifices. And, you know, as I've been praying through 
this opened door, and, and it obviously involves uh, our second campus. And, uh, you know, I had, I had the thought, I, I said to the Lord, uh, what about those people who always complain about video messages, Lord? It seems like people are complaining more as that becomes more the norm. And I, I, I'm just submitting this to you. I felt the Lord start to chuckle a little bit and say, do those people have televisions in their home? He said, I want you just to ask anybody who tells you they would rather go to a church where the pastor preaches live. And, and here's something that is a little bit of a pet peeve. Uh, anyone who would say, I'd rather go to a dead church where the preacher is live than to a thriving church where the pastor is on video. That's a pet peeve of mine. And, and let me just say, when we get to heaven, I really don't think that God's going to be asking us where we went to church. I believe God's going to be saying, what did you do with the bride I gave you while you were on the earth? And listen, I, I want to be a part of a church that gets excited about open doors. And, and I believe that I am. I, I believe we're, we're that kind of church. I believe we're the kind of church. I mean, look around. This didn't happen without a bunch of sacrifices made by some incredible people. And I know God's asking us to do it all over again. But sometimes I think we have a tendency to look at open doors and minimize them and, and call them somebody else's opportunity. But God makes some really strong statements in Scripture about doors that he opens. He says things like, listen to me closely. When I open a door, no man can shut it. Okay. Now, that's, that, that's really important to understand, that obviously God cares so much about whatever doors he opens that he looks at all of us and he says, now, when I open a door, no one's going to stop me. No one's going to get in my way. And when I open a door, I'm giving people an opportunity to do something in a greater measure on the earth in my name where I will get more glory. That's why I opened the door. I don't open the door because someone earned it. I don't open the door because someone's better than someone else. I open a door because I just want a few people to come together, do what I ask, grow my kingdom, and bring me glory. That's why I open doors. And when I open doors, nobody can stop me. When God opens a door, nobody can shut it. With all of my heart, I believe an opened door is before us. And with it comes some opportunity. But there's something else that comes with doors that God opens up. And that's point number two. There is and will be opposition. There is and will be opposition. I'm going to be straight up with you. I, I try to always be straight up with you. But sometimes uh, it's a little less flattering than other times. All right. Uh, when I was in Poland last week. Uh, whatever started happening to my body uh, started happening. I wasn't in a big city. I was in a small city outside of Auschwitz. And um, the hospitals there, you, you can just imagine, um, not exactly the kind of place I want to spend much time. And something started happening. My fever started spiking. I was in a ton of pain. Um, it, I didn't end up going to the restroom for seven straight days. And it started to scare me. Uh, but those 48 hours, uh, it came on really fast. And 
it got really dark. And I mean really dark. Maybe some of the darkest hours I've spent by myself in my life. To the point that uh, I didn't know what else to do uh, but to get on YouTube, put on Robert Morris sermons. And all night, for two straight nights, I just kept messages. I kept the word playing because I, I, needed, I knew I needed the word and I knew I needed a comforting voice. And I would pray and I would worship and it just wasn't breaking. And uh, I, I was feeling a measure of opposition I've never felt in my entire life. And I just kept battling and I kept praying and, and kept believing. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, I was extremely scared. Uh, I was hearing things I hadn't heard before. Uh, the enemy making threats and, and lying. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm there with, with one other person in another country, 6,000 miles away from home. I called the hospital. They didn't speak English. I said, do you speak English? She said, yet. I said, does anyone speak English? And she hung up on me. I actually took that as a word from the Lord not to go to the hospital. <laughs> uh, so I was grateful for clarity. <laughs> uh, but I was battling. And, and then after about 48 hours, spiritually speaking, I just felt it break. And I felt confidence again. I felt strength returning. And uh, I was very, very grateful uh, but I was reminded of the fact that with this calling that we have, this is not my calling, this is our calling as believers in Jesus, as disciples of Jesus Christ. Our calling is to advance the boundaries of God's kingdom, and with that calling comes opposition to every advancement. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, Paul says, But I will tarry or remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. Interestingly enough, it was about the same time of year on the calendar that Paul is writing this between Passover and Pentecost. He says, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. I think sometimes we celebrate when God opens a door, but the more mature you are in Christ in your relationship with the Lord, uh, the less emotionally excited you get about open doors and the more you understand what comes with it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I want to give you two things. Uh, this is for you. The next time you find yourself in a place where the opposition starts to get a little bit uh, intense, I just want to give you two things. Here's the first one. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised by opposition. I think one of the things that makes opposition worse is when we're surprised to be getting it. Now, I'm not speaking a word curse that there's always going to be opposition. What I'm saying is don't be surprised because that's what 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ. How many of you want to be partners with Christ? Okay, uh, you become partners in Christ, in his suffering. That doesn't sound as, as great, does it? So that you will have, watch this next part, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Here's the way I interpret that last part uh, of 1 Peter 4, 12. 
Here's why you press through fiery trials and opposition and suffering, because there will come a day when the glory of God is made manifest to all the earth, and as his children, we'll get to stand by and say, I help that. I helped do something about that. I was a part of that. Okay, that's our responsibility as believers, but with that comes opposition. And I think there was a part of me, you know, every time I get opposition that's worse than I've experienced before, it's like I'm surprised. At some point, I'm going to have to grow up and stop being so surprised. Uh, but this one took me by surprise because I, 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 I didn't see it coming. I wasn't uh, expecting it, and I got sucker punched in a way that I haven't been punched in a while. And Holly could hear it in my voice. Robert could hear it in my voice. Uh, but I had to remind myself, this is a part of the journey. The battle is part of the journey. And we don't always get excited about opposition until we remind ourselves what comes as a result of opposition. And here's what comes. I get stronger. The two biggest things that happen after opposition, I get stronger and my resolve gets greater. Our resolve grows when, when we are picked on, our resolve strengthens. Pastor Robert called me and he, he said, uh, I, I didn't call him, you know, he had his hernia surgery last Monday. I started uh, battling on Tuesday and Wednesday. I was not about to call him as he was recuperating. This was before he was uh, care flighted to the hospital. And he found out uh, through someone else and called me. And uh, he, he said, uh, what's going on? And, and I explained to him what was going on. And uh, we talked for about 15 minutes. And I told him, you know, I, I'm at a Passover Seder right now. And tomorrow I'm speaking at the Warsaw Theological Seminary on Passover in the church. I feel like God's given me a word that I never saw coming. And I... I have to preach it. I have to teach this. And then I'm going to be uh, on Sunday in the most influential church in Poland and one of the most influential churches in Europe. And I, I felt like God gave me a word. And I told him, I, I need to serve this weekend. I cannot go home. As much as I want to go home, I've got to stay. And I have got to deliver the burden God has given me. And he said to me after about 15, 20 minutes, he said, I'm going to shoot straight with you. When the phone was ringing, I told Debbie, I'm going to tell him he has to come home and I don't want to hear anything from him. And he said, after listening to you for the last 15 minutes, I can hear it in your voice. You have a mandate from God. And I said, I promise I would have gone home 48 hours ago if I could. If I would have felt 10% better, I would have gone home. But I didn't, and so I was stuck. But now, I can't leave. I have got to deliver this message, and then I'll go home by God's grace. That conviction came because somebody picked on me. Somebody tried to scare me and get me to go home, and I'm learning as I get older that when there is opposition, whenever the enemy opposes us, it's because he's afraid of what we're about to do next. And he should be afraid. He should be afraid. All of hell should be afraid at what happens next. 
And I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about what is happening on the earth. Make way for the coming of the Lord. We're to do everything we possibly can to make way for the coming of the Lord. When we experience opposition, it's good to remember. Jesus said we would experience that from time to time in this fallen world. Don't be surprised when you feel opposition. Remind yourself. He's only doing it because of, he's afraid of what you're about to do next. Here's the second thing. I want you to remember the next time you feel intense opposition. Don't forget what God said. Don't forget what God said. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, listen to what Paul says. Three different times I begged the Lord to take this thorn in my side away. Each time I begged him, he said, my grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I was reminded of this passage when I was in my hotel room at the end of that 48-hour period. I was reminded that God's strength is at its best when Preston's strength is at its worst. And I actually hate that. <laughs> I really do. I wish we could both be strong at the same time, but apparently it doesn't work like that. And I felt like the Lord gave me a picture of what was happening because I am not kidding you. I was at one of the lowest points I have been. And it was just fear. And I felt as I was on the other side of it, the Lord gave me a picture that when I was at my lowest and I felt like I, I, I didn't see any, any way out of this battle, it was like the Lord let me see the enemy rejoicing over me as I'm beaten down. And then something flipped. It was like I hit my weakest point and it was like a switch flipped and the look on every enemy's face went from celebration to fear in the blink of an eye. And I was looking at myself, and I, I was as weak as I had been in a long time. And yet they have this look on their faces of fear. And the Lord reminded me of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Preston, let me tell you what they saw. The moment you hit your weakest, they heard footsteps. They heard me coming. Because when you're at your weakest, you have a father who comes to your rescue like this. And they know it. They've experienced it. And so the next time you find yourself in a position of weakness, you need to celebrate before they stop celebrating because I'm on my way to bail you out. And the Lord gave me Romans chapter 16, verse 20. As a reminder, the next time I and you find ourselves in a situation similar to what I was in last week. Romans 16, verse 20 says, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And I started studying this passage. 
And there's a word picture associated with this verse. And it's that of a, a Roman centurion who is marching in the army down Main Street. And there were times before battles when the soldiers would put nails on the bottoms of their shoes so that when they walked down Main Street, everyone would hear the, the crunching sound of the nails under their feet. And they would just keep walking, high-stepping, walking down Main Street, and everybody could hear the sound of, of their crushing or crunching feet. Sometimes I think when we experience opposition, we convince ourselves that it's our responsibility to, to fight our way out. And it's interesting that Romans chapter 16, verse 20 says, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I find it interesting that it does not say, and the God of peace will soon be crushed by your right hand blow, by your yelling and screaming, by your taking authority. It's interesting that it says, he will crush Satan under my feet. And the picture attached to this verse is one, a, a soldier who just keeps marching without stopping. And when I felt the Lord give me this verse, it was like I got a measure of conviction that I had not felt before. And I saw myself literally marching down the 101 towards that campus and not stopping. The enemy trying to get in the way, the enemy trying to scare me, the enemy trying to, to threaten me, and the enemy trying to, to land blows, and I just kept walking, and I just kept marching, and we just kept going, and we didn't stop. And with every step, we were crushing Satan under our feet as we got further and further. And it's not just about going to Tempe. Hear me closely. Romans chapter 16, verse 20 is not about going somewhere. It's simply about continuing to march as the army of God. Not stopping. We have to keep going. And that leads us to point number three. We all have a decision to make. We all have a decision to make. Second Timothy chapter four, verse five says, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. There are three, and only three, I believe, ways that we can respond to a door that God opens up. The first way is to say, I won't. I'm not going through that door. The second way is to say, yeah, I'll, I'll go through. But the third way is to say, I must go through. Because he's given me this responsibility. I must. When someone says, I'm not going through that door, they make a personal decision not to follow God's leading. I never want to be that person. I never want to be the person when God opens a door 
that looks at the door and says, no, I'm not, I'm not going. There were times I would look in the direction of Scottsdale when I would take a step back and look at how cush everything was for me in Dallas, but yet there was something in me. I had to march. I had to go. I could have come up with many reasons not to walk through the door. You can come up with plenty of reasons why not to walk through the door. And here's what you need to know. The devil hopes you pick at least one and sit down on it. The devil is rooting for you not to walk through a door God opens right in front of you. The second option we have when we respond to an open door sounds like the right option. Yeah, I'll, I'll walk through that door. The problem with a yeah, I will mentality is when things get a little bit tough, yeah, I will typically turns into no, I won't. Yeah, I will is a fair weather response. Yeah, I'll go through that door until things get hard. I'll go through that door until I stop getting what I want. Yeah, I'll go through that door as long as everyone does what I say. Yeah, I'll, I'll go through that door as long as it's not expensive. Yeah, I will can quickly turn into no, I won't. That's why there's a third option. I must. I must complete the ministry God has given me to do on the earth. And listen to me. I'm not talking about my ministry as a pastor. God has given every single one of you a ministry to accomplish on this earth and the doors don't always open up in front of us, but one has opened up in front of you. And I believe God is standing in front of all of us, watching what our response will be. In two weeks, we're gonna have what we call here at, at this church, a miracle offering. And I felt the Lord give me a burden for this offering several weeks ago. The last miracle offering we had helped pay for everything you see here. It was the craziest miracle offering I think ever recorded because I stood in front of the church and said, we're going to raise uh, funds, but I'm not going to tell you what it's for because I don't know what it's for. I just know it's for what's next. And a bunch of people sacrificially gave so that many people more people could come into this church and meet Jesus face to face. In two weeks, we're going to have another miracle offering. But it's different than the last miracle offering. The last miracle offering we all personally benefited from. And there's nothing wrong with that. But very, very rarely do we get an opportunity to give something to the Lord where we don't benefit at all from it. And I believe this is going to be the most special miracle offering that we've had in the first six years. And I'm not hyping you up for something. There's something sweet when we stand before God and say, the last time I gave in that miracle offering, it was for me and my family. We benefited from it. But this miracle offering is for him and them. It's for everybody on the other side of that open door. It's for marriages who right now 
They're going to fall asleep tonight, hating each other, wanting divorce. And we're all going to come together and we're going to give, not just financially, we're going to give of ourselves. We're going to give of our time. We're going to stretch ourselves. But the reason we're doing it isn't so that we can personally benefit from it. We're going to do this because it's for him. And it's for them. Nothing is sweeter than taking the sandwich that you made to eat at lunch and finding someone in your school who doesn't have something to eat and not sharing your lunch with them, but just giving them your whole lunch. Simply because you can and you want to. I'm asking everybody who calls this church home to be praying over the next two weeks. I don't want you to give what you want to give. I said this last time. There was a family who before our last miracle offering had said uh, they were going to be giving a million dollars. And when I... Uh, they had told us several weeks before so that we could prepare. And then I stood up in front of the whole church and I said, I beg you, please do not give whatever you want to give. Take a moment and ask the Lord what he wants you to give. And they went and prayed. And the number they felt the Lord give them was much smaller, still extravagant, but much smaller. Now, most senior pastors I know would cringe when they saw it come in. I cried because you know what I want more than anything? I just want to be with a bunch of people who are willing to obey. Even if it, it doesn't look right, even if it doesn't add up, I just want to be surrounded with a bunch of people who just want to obey. Whether that means more or less, I don't even care. I just want to obey. I want to do whatever God asks us to do, and I want to be surrounded with people for the rest of my life that is what they long to do. It's just to give God what he asked for. So if you call this your church home, I want you to pray over the next two weeks. And what we're going to do, we're going to have an offering. But then I'm going to ask you to commit, if you call this your church home, to give over and above your tithe over the summer until we launch this second campus. Holly and I are going to be doing it. We're going to do it as a family. Just take a moment over the next 14 days. And just ask God, what seed do you want me to sow into this soil? First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 really stood out to me this last week. It says, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You're an amazing church. You're a dream come true. You've pressed through opposition before. You've laid your lives down time and time again to see God's kingdom advance on the earth. I don't have anything negative to say. I know we're not perfect. But you're better than I deserved. And you're better than I ever could have hoped for. 
something that stood out to me this week that I believe we're going to have more of in this day is full conviction. A couple weeks ago, I asked the Lord, why are you giving us this campus? I don't understand. I'm not even sure we're fully ready for it. Why? Other churches are stronger than us, older than us, have more resource than us. Why, why us? Why are you giving us this campus? And a couple weeks ago, I felt him start to answer the question. And, and the first thing he said was, Preston, there's a way of doing things that I have asked for that not everyone is willing to give me. And I'm opening this door for Gateway Church because I know you will give me what I ask for. And you will do it the way I ask you to do it. But I didn't feel like there was punctuation at the end of that comment. I felt like there was more. And when I was in Poland, at the end of that tough 48 hours, when it flipped, and I felt conviction rising. My strength was increasing and my resolve, my conviction was rising as clear as day. And I will never ever forget this as long as I live. I had just been beat up for 48 straight hours and I felt the Lord say to me, son, you asked me a question, why am I giving you this campus? You have just seen firsthand why. You must take back ground now. Now. You must. And something exploded in my spirit. It was as though I looked at the Lord and said, I will never ask you that question again. I will never ask you, why are you giving us something ever again? I now know the answer. Because everything you give us, whether it's a resource or a responsibility, plays into your request that we take more ground in the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I learned a lot in Poland. I'll never forget that week of my life. It was a door God opened to go and minister there. A door that I'd been waiting for for a really long time. And when I got there, I experienced a measure of opposition I was beyond intense. But after battling through and persevering, I stood up in that seminary on Saturday with a measure of God's anointing I've never felt before. And I got up in that pulpit the next morning and I preached on the blood of Jesus. And more people got saved in that first service than any other service I have ever preached in my entire life. 
And as I watched them come forward, I felt the Lord say, this week is a snapshot of this season. I am opening doors. There will be opposition, but I am giving you my anointing. And there will be immeasurable fruit. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.